0: Welcome to Grow With The Flow, a space where we chat all things endometriosis and mental health. I'm your host, Brooke, endo-warrior, personal development enthusiast, and entrepreneur. Join me for real, raw, honest, funny conversations with amazing guests. With every episode, my mission is to share a bit of positivity, raise awareness, and bring clarity to this illness we call endometriosis. Now let's get into the episode. In this episode, I chat to Jazz from endometriosis.jazz on Instagram. We chat Jazz's story, mental health, sex, jobs and finance and so much more. Here is the episode. Hi Jazz, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you today. On the Grow With The Flow podcast, I have been asking everyone who comes on these two same questions, and I'm really excited to ask everyone this. So the first one is, what's something that you do for your mental health every day, or try to at least? Um,
1: I definitely try to get out and just have my me time in the morning. So whether that's going for a drive and getting a coffee or just going for a drive and ending up somewhere and just parking and just sitting and just not doing anything I feel like for me because I'm in such a crowded house and um pretty much I'm with people 24 7 so I feel like getting out and just being on my own even just eating like I eat a lot so like even just getting out and eating and just having time (laughs) for myself that's what I feel like helps me start my day and helps my mental health throughout the day
0: Yeah, I love that, especially in lockdown too. you got to get out of the house for a little bit and just keep your sanity. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then the second question is, what's your favourite thing in your endo toolkit? So it can be a product or a doctor or just something that you do to manage your endo. It's a hard one to pick one thing, but you can give a couple. (laughs) Cool
1: question. I've actually, um, I've never been asked this before. Um, Probably heat packs. uh, That's something that I use on a daily basis, probably like nearly every day, even if it's just like the slightest amount of discomfort, I know that can build up to a lot of pain. So putting heat back on really helps lower the pain. And probably another thing is it's probably like really basic, but my pain relief, if I didn't have my pain relief, I'd probably suffer really, really bad. And a lot of people think it's a bit concerning to take pain relief so often, but if you're in as much pain as certain people do get, it's something that you really do need. And I feel like you shouldn't be ashamed to have to take it all the time. Like it's something that can be managed and controlled at the end of the day. So if you need it, then you know, just take it.
0: Yes. 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 Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's all I could say yes a (laughs) million times because I think pill shaming can be such a shit thing. And I think it some pills can do damage to your gut lining or things like that. But as long as you're working with your doctor and they yeah know they tell you what you can take and all that kind of stuff. Like Mm I know myself when I have a flare up, I can do everything, but the one thing that helps me the most is the some pain good painkillers. So,
1: yeah, because I don't, I don't take it every day either. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you got to, but yeah, yeah. So sometimes, but I don't take it every day. It's probably three, max four times a week. Even then, sometimes yeah. I may need it on the extra day, depending on if I'm on my period. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Now that's good. Okay, so I would love you to tell us a bit about your story, like how you were diagnosed, your first signs and symptoms, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Do you have a lot of time? <laughs> yes, go for it. No, I want to hear it.
1: Um, So pretty much I got my first period at 11 years old. Um, It was pretty much three months long. So on and off, I was bleeding for
0: three months. That's horrible. You poor thing. My God. Yeah.
1: Well, it was it it was it, it was around it was around that time like from what I can remember, because I constantly remember not being able to go to school because of the amount I was bleeding, and then my mum would take me to the doctor and be like, "She's bleeding too much. Like it's her period that's just been ongoing. I was experiencing a bit of pain as well. And the first thing that they said to me was, "Let's try her on the pill. But being so young, um, my parents weren't too comfortable with me going on the pill so young, so. Um, the doctor said, "Well, just sometimes it can regulate itself. It'll more than likely fix itself. And it didn't. So we kind of just left it, I think, for a couple of years. I don't know why, but we just left it. And it was still an ongoing thing where I would get my period for a week and then it'd go away for a couple of days and then it'd come back for three days and then go away again. So it was just very, very irregular. And that I feel like is still my main issue now, just excessive bleeding. And as it was when I first started. But um, it got to around when I was 14, 15, maybe. And it got to the point where it was still happening. So I went back to the doctor and he said, look, I really would like you to try going on the pill, see if it helps regulate, helps any of my other symptoms. So I told my parents, look, I'm sorry, but I need to try something. If that's going on the pill, then I've got to try it. So I went on the pill and um, it didn't do anything whatsoever. I feel like it didn't regulate, like it may have regulated it a bit more, but it was still, I was still bleeding on the times where I'm not, when, sorry, when I wasn't meant to be on my period either.
0: So, um, sorry, I'm
1: trying to remember everything.
0: <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I struggle to remember shit too. It's so, so many things in a long time.
1: Yeah. So um, it got to the point where the pills weren't doing anything. I tried different brands. Um, I tried the rod, the one that goes in your arm. And that was the worst type of contraception that I tried. I gained weight. I'm quite tall. So gaining weight for my GP was a bit concerning because I'm so tall. Um, my, I bled even more. I My face broke out. It was just, it was horrible. I was experiencing more pain with the rod in as well than I was without it. So I had that for probably like eight, nine months and then I got it removed because I was like, I just don't want it anymore. And then after that, I went back and I was like, look, is there anything else that I can try? And pretty much I just wanted to get me back on the pill when it wasn't doing anything. So I really wanted to try and find a doctor at this stage that was going to properly help me. And it wasn't until I started dating my current boyfriend, Matt, his mum was seeing a women's GP and recommended me to go to that clinic as well. I didn't necessarily research any of the GPs there. I just kind of picked one that was like that first came up. Picked her, and it wasn't until then that I started getting more and more help, started getting more tests, ultrasounds, internal ultrasounds, blood tests. And it wasn't until then I got done di- Sorry, I got diagnosed. Oh, my goodness, I got referred to a gynecologist. And after my first appointment with him, we booked surgery in for the next week, and that's when I was diagnosed with endometriosis. Yeah, finally. My god, finally, yeah.
0: finally. How old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was 20. 20. Okay, I was 20. Yeah, so. Eleven when the symptoms started. Twenty when you were diagnosed. Yeah, yeah. Long, long time. It's so long. It's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I hate it. I actually had the rod as well, and it was bloody horrible. I had it for like three months, and I was like, "No, get this thing out of me." It was, it was the
1: worst. Even during my surgery, I had the Marina put in, and I found that like, because that's meant to help treat symptoms of endometriosis, help regulate your period, even stop your bleeding altogether. And I bled through it still. So I ended up getting that removed as well. And I haven't been on any contraception, nothing since either December at the end of last year or January this year. And I feel a lot more like myself not being on any contraception or any harsh medication like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. So you like being off it? Yeah, I don't know what it is because even other girls that I
1: talk to about contraception, they say that they feel a lot more comfortable not being on it. They feel less hormonal, less... Irritated like very quickly, so it's just I feel like it just really stuffs around with your hormones more than it does any good.
0: Oh, yeah, it really messes with you. I'm the same, I stopped taking it years ago now, and yeah, I feel I instantly just felt more like myself. I was like a real bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I get what you mean, even being off it when I'm on my
1: period. I feel so sorry for like my parents and that. I'm like, I'm sorry if I'm a bitch, but you know. It's hard time. It's hard time when you're bleeding constantly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And in pain as the as at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like, we've got all the extra things on top of that. I'm like, I deserve yeah. to be a bitch for a little while. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah. Have you been diagnosed with any other um, things besides endo? Uh, not that I can remember, no. Not that I know of. I want to look into getting... Looked at in other things too because I have other symptoms and I don't know if they're related to yeah. endo or if they're not. It's crazy. It's hard to know. Mm. I feel like that could be quite beneficial even for
1: anyone that has endo, just looking into other forms of conditions that may go along with it as well. Because as you know, it's a whole body disease. So a lot could be affected in the midst
0: of having endometriosis. So yeah, could be
1: beneficial for anyone. Yeah, yeah. So
0: would you say your um, biggest symptoms are around? Your period?
1: Probably, yeah. Even when I'm not on my period, like my main top, top symptom is the bleeding. That's always been the one thing that has been the worst out of everything. I definitely caught quite bad pain, more so when I'm on my period. But bleeding, whether I'm on my period or not, it's the main thing. Because I can actually tell the difference between my period blood and just normal bleeding and i explained that to my doctor as well i said i don't know how there's such a big difference but the period blood it's just you can you, you can just tell what's what and like the non period blood it's just
0: sorry tmi but like Nah, no tmi
1: it's cool <laughs> it's it's just it's just it's just quite scary because like to yeah. think that my body can hold so much blood but also lose
0: so much at the same time yeah 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 so, do you mm-hmm. have bleeding like most days? Is it or I would say that I haven't
1: really gone a week where I don't at least spot since I first got my period, and that's so frustrating. I um, don't know how my iron's not any lower than what it is because it's it's not where it should be, but it's not like extremely low either. And I was quite con- I was quite concerned about my iron as well because I started experiencing dizziness and. I'm quite pale as well and I get tired really, really easily no matter what I do. So when I went to the GP the first time I told her about that and she did a blood test to test for my iron, she was expecting it to be quite low. But it wasn't as low as she thought and she was like, look, still go on iron supplements, still do whatever you can to help that. But she was like, it's not as low as I thought. So I guess I'm, I'm lucky but not lucky in that department.
0: Yeah. The fatigue is real. I'm the same. My iron's kind of low, but it's not, Yeah, it's not severely low, but I'm just so fatigued. And so yeah, just like out of breath all the time. It's crazy. Especially since my surgery, it's gotten real bad. Yeah, I feel like really unfit. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's kind of like the way <laughs> to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I understand.
1: It could, It could be any type of like physical activity, whether I'm just going for a walk and then I come back home, I'm just like, Well, like maybe I shouldn't have walked that far. Maybe I shouldn't walk that fast. Something as simple as that. Even doing house housework can really tire me out. Yeah, housework's
0: my big thing. Yeah.
1: Well, you have a double story house. So walking up and down the stairs with like laundry baskets and then
0: like cleaning products and like vacuuming the stairs, it's so tiring. Double story would be so hard, yeah. Up and down stairs. Stairs are the worst. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, before my surgery, like before my symptoms got real bad, I would clean the whole house by myself, you know, scrub the shower and all that kind of stuff. Now I struggle so much. My boyfriend has to help me every single time. And, like, even just I kind of have to take breaks. And he's like, you sit, you sit, it's fine. I'll, I'll yeah. do. He always does the vacuuming and yeah. stuff. I'm just like so exhausted just from little things. Yeah, sometimes i have Matt come over specifically to help me
1: with like housework and whatnot, whether that's like getting down and scrubbing the bath and like cleaning the shower or even like helping me like make my bed because I have to like move my bed to like put the blanket properly.
0: Oh, yeah, I'm the same, yeah. So he's
1: there like holding the bed and like helping me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) What would we do without them sometimes? (laughs) yeah honestly <laughs> um okay so if you're happy to talk about this say no if you don't want to but I love to talk about everything I'm a very open person but yeah no, I'm very open I'll probably answer it amazing how do you go with um sex then especially because you're bleeding all the time and in pain and stuff I know it's a huge issue for a lot of people
1: <laughs> yeah um it's when I first started becoming sexually active it wasn't something that Like, I knew, like, around the first time that you experienced sex, it would be painful anyways, but once I realized that the pain wasn't, like, really going away, I was just kind of like, whoa, okay, like, is this normal? And at the time, my friends at the time, like, I spoke to them about it, and I was asked, like, you know, do you get sore still? And they're like, no, like, you know, it shouldn't hurt after the first, like, maybe three or four times and it got to the point where I was like wow like it's actually still really painful and I noticed that after sex I would experience spotting as well sometimes even during we'd have to stop because there was just blood oh yeah so sorry so gross but like it would sometimes it was like a murder scene it was so bad I would feel so bad I was embarrassed myself because I was like I don't know what the fuck is going on so yeah even now it's still quite bad but I'm glad that it's with someone that I'm comfortable with and he's not grossed out by it like it's a way of life pretty much definitely not to the point that it's at but it's something that can happen with anyone so he's quite good about it and he's not judgmental and doesn't get grossed out and isn't like like you know get away like he's he's mature about it which is good
0: yeah that's really good we all need men like that Mm -hmm. I think otherwise they can piss off (laughs) 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 exactly yeah and I I think it's not too TMI I know some people might be a bit squeamish or something but I think it's so important to talk about especially for the younger generations to know that it's not normal because you didn't know when you talked luckily you were able to talk to your friends about it but some people don't feel even comfortable talking to anyone about it yeah and then they have no idea they're just like oh this is normal you know we're taught it's normal to have period pain and stuff like that and all those sorts of things. So I think it's really good to talk about it. So especially the younger generations know. Yeah. I wish when like back when I was 17, when I first started experiencing that stuff, that
1: I had someone to talk to, like I definitely could have spoken to like my aunties and stuff, but not to relate in what I was feeling sort of thing, because I knew that it wasn't, well, I assumed that I was probably one of the only people after talking to my friends about it, that was experiencing that. So growing up, And, like, looking back at it now, I now realise that no one else was really going through what I was going through in my family. So it was crazy to, like, now realise what is, like, the cause of it. And looking back at it, I'm just kind of like, wow, like, if I had known back then I could have had a lot more help in that department, like, you know, to try and prevent pain, to try and prevent bleeding as well. Yeah. Because now I know, like, you know, we can take precautions and, be more careful with how like we do it and you know if we need to just take like a big break in between the times that we do it as well
0: yeah 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 that's good okay cool um another thing I wanted to talk about if you're happy to talk about it is like how you go with keeping a job and finances because I know endo is such an expensive disease Mm -hmm. especially yeah um with
1: work so last year when I got my surgery I was working for a before and after school care company and um, I was quite open with my boss at the time about tests and the pain that I was going through she was pretty good with putting me on activities where I didn't have to do too much physical activity and once COVID hit a lot of the casuals dropped their hours I was one of them that didn't work at all so um I was still in contact with her saying, look, you know, if you need any shifts covered, please let me know. I was bored out of my mind, not working. Plus I really needed the money as well. And once I had my surgery, I said to her, look, I've had surgery. i um, been diagnosed with this. This is what it is, blah blah la. And if you need me at work, I'm fine to come in, but I just can't do any heavy lifting. I can't do any sports activities. I need to be really careful. And I didn't hear from her. And I actually spoke to one of the girls that I worked with and I was like, look, is she still there? Like she's alive? Like what's going on? And she was like, yeah, like I would work with her. And she said that she's received your messages and that she's been meaning to get back to you. And I'm like, okay, it's been like three weeks and I haven't heard back from her. So what I ended up doing was just quitting because I was like, if I'm going to be treated like that because of the condition that I have, then I don't really want to be employed by someone like that. But, um, After that, I ended up getting a job in childcare and they were really, really good about it, but it wasn't until COVID hit again that lost all work. So um, I'd say with finances and stuff, you really, no matter what job you have, you really need to budget. And for me, I find that setting money aside specifically for medical bills has helped a lot, especially with me now, I have door surgery coming up as well. That's been a whole other side of expenses. And if I didn't have that money set aside, because really you don't know what could happen, you may not only have endometriosis and have a lot of other things to pay for. So I feel like having that money set aside has really helped because I didn't know that all my draw stuff was going to come up. So yeah, it's quite difficult, but I know that, like, you know, many people are different, like with their finances and how they budget. So people may find it a bit easier. Some people may not find it as easy, especially with COVID and everything going on. It's quite difficult. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. COVID's definitely made it a lot harder. Yeah. I was very lucky to, um, find a gynecologist who would do their surgery through a public hospital. So it didn't cost me very much, but I know a lot of women have to pay so much for surgery and it's just, and then all the other things that you want to do, like seeing a nutritionist, um, physio, Acupuncturist, like anything you want to do, like, it all adds up. Yeah, supplements, anything. Oh, yeah, oh my goodness,
1: <laughs> it's <just> the worst.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I feel like unless you make lots of money, it is quite hard to budget it. But yeah, definitely, even just putting away a little bit each week out of your money, if you can, to have that little bit of a backup is good.
1: Yeah, exactly. Obviously everyone's financial statuses are different. And like, you know, I feel like that's something that the medical field needs to like be a bit more understanding of, that not everyone can afford to whack out so much money just like that. It's very hard, especially with COVID and everything now. Like a lot of people are losing jobs, even finding it hard to like provide for their families. So it's something that I feel like needs to be a bit more spoken about and become more aware because like even something as simple as scans can cost up to $300 and that's sometimes you don't get anything back from that so it's a lot of money having to live with a chronic illness because it's something that will just keep on going and going and going until hopefully it changes but by the looks of it it's just going to stay expensive for a while yeah
0: yeah I hope that the more we talk about it the more things will become accessible for People who can't afford it, especially like all the extra doctors, even like even just going to a gynecologist is hard enough. I want to yeah. be able to do other things because with endo, I feel like it's not just one thing that you need to do. You need to yeah. do a multitude of things to be able to help manage your symptoms. It's not like here, just take this pill and this will fix it or help. Like you've got to do a heap of different mm-hmm. things. So it gets very expensive. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask before we go is what advice would you give to someone who is just being diagnosed? Definitely take take everything in your own way. And it
1: probably may sound a bit confusing, but people deal with things very differently. It may not affect people's mental health. Some people it does. I know for me, it affected my mental health a lot. And it's something that I still struggle with even over a year after my diagnosis. It's something that you really need to have the support with. So, like, surround yourself with the right people. If you don't, then I feel like I would struggle if I didn't have the right people. Um, Definitely, yeah, I don't know. It's hard because everyone deals with it differently. So, I, I mean, like, for me, if you're someone that would struggle without the right people, if you really need that support, majority of the time then definitely yeah surround yourself with the right people but more importantly do things in your own way don't go off what other people are saying because the way other people deal with it may not be how you need to deal with it definitely try different you know ways to deal with it but for me just taking it at your own time if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah no I love that Um, mental health is a huge big thing for me with the diagnosis I think I've had I've had lots of people message me on Instagram saying like you're so positive, I don't know how you do it, blah blah blah, and I am really positive. Maybe I need to show more of the down times, but when I'm feeling down, I just don't want to be on social media. I know some people will post about that, but that for that for me, I'm just like I don't even think about social media cuz I'm down, but yeah, cuz at the start when I first made my Instagram account for
1: my health um At the beginning, I thought, like, you know, I needed to show that, like, you know, I was okay and that, like, I'm always here. Like, not that I'm not, like, I love when I get messages from girls asking questions and, like, asking for guidance and whatnot, but you also got to show that you are also a human being, you're not a robot, and you have feelings yourself, and that you also go through it as well. And I think that's something that people don't actually realize that mental health is a big part of endometriosis that's affected. So I think it's something that needs to be spoken about a bit more in order to like, you know, have more guidance in that department. Cause I feel like that's something that just gets looked over a lot of the time, but yeah.
0: Yeah. That's exactly why I'm trying to make mental health a big topic of this podcast because yeah, it's always, even before I knew I had endo, it's always been a huge problem for me. I've had anxiety for years. I've had depression before, like Mm -hmm. so many things. And then Getting the diagnosis, I went through like a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. Right now, I'm I'm pretty at it's it's almost six months. I'm at a pretty good point now with accepting it. I think sharing it with people and talking to people who are dealing with the same thing has definitely been something that's really helped me. Yeah. So if you don't want to post on Instagram because Instagram's been a huge thing for me to um, connect with people, but if that's something that that whoever's listening doesn't want to do Facebook groups are really great for connecting with people too. There's lots of endo Facebook groups. Um, But yeah, I don't show a whole lot of it. I try because I try to spread positivity. I want people to feel like it doesn't have to be a depressing thing all the time. It's good to have a bit of a laugh, but also I've cried so many times. (laughs) I've cried so many times realizing that this is forever and it is hard to come to deal to terms with. Yeah. Mm.
1: Sometimes I've written posts like captions and it's about like my anxiety and stuff. Cause that's probably the main thing that I struggle with the anxiety side of things. And I feel like that's what puts a lot of my pain up as well. Yeah. definitely. And Sometimes I'll sit there and write captions and I'll be tearing up because like I'm writing how I'm feeling and not that I feel like, of course it's, a very big thing where you feel vulnerable but it's something that you're putting your vulnerability out there as well for other people to see and sometimes it can be a bit degrading because you don't know how people are going to react to it and if you're going to like get hate on it which I feel like it'd be stupid to get hate on a health page but you know you don't know how people are going to react to it so it's like so it's something where you kind of got to be like mindful of your own feelings as well yeah
0: yeah yeah I try to be quite real on my stories as much as I can I think it's good to show that there are ups and downs so other people know that like sometimes I know sometimes I've spoken out with this with other people but it like celebrities seem who have been diagnosed with endo seem to be fine and it's like makes it kind of look like yeah it's it you know someone who else is sitting there thinking oh why am I not like that and most of us aren't like that. We're very up and down. Sometimes I'm fine. Some days I'm not.
1: Yeah. I feel like being in the same position as like, as you said, celebrities that seem okay, you feel like, you know, what it's like behind closed doors and what they're probably experiencing. I feel like is a good thing as well, because I see comments on a lot of celebrities that have endometriosis and like their comments are, Oh, you look fine. Like what's wrong with you? And it yeah. kind of frustrates me because, like, you don't actually know what they're going through behind closed doors, and how much pain it took them to get to where like they are now, and you know, having to look okay all the time because they're in the public eye twenty four seven.
0: Yeah, they have a lot of pressure on them to be perfect, and they don't. Yeah, they can't, as such, show those harder times. And it it really
1: does piss me off because, like, knowing, well, knowing. I guess, briefly what they would be experiencing because not everyone experiences it in the same way. And seeing all those comments being like, you look fine, like, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of like, no, like, you know, there's a lot that goes behind closed doors and like experiencing that and knowing what that feels like, it really frustrates me seeing those comments because I know what, like, I know how they must feel because I experience it myself.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Like think putting yourself... their mindset because social media is such a small part of people's lives you do not see everything you hardly see any of someone's whole day so it's just frustrating yeah yeah awesome on that note i think we'll finish up thank you so so much for coming on if you want to follow jazz on instagram i will link her account in the show notes I love her. Her Instagram is amazing. So go follow it. I'm so honoured. Thank you for asking (laughs) me to be on. Thank you. No, thank you so much for coming on. I loved hearing your story more. And um, yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Grow With The Flow. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, it would be amazing if you could share it on your stories and tag us or simply send it to a loved one who would benefit from listening. We are an independent podcast and it would mean the world to us if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to keep up with all things Grow With The Flow, head to endowithbrooke.com slash podcast hope you have a flare-free week and I'll chat to you in the next episode.